Hi everyone, Peter and Tala here from The Skinny. Hello. Uh, you are about to hear Tala's chat with the fantastic B. Asher Singh, but we just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the content of the episode before we get started. The following chat contains strong language and discussions around grief and sexual assault. Just so you know before we get underway. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. The Not Your Usual podcast is brought to you by Glava, the one and only tangerine honey spiced whiskey liqueur. Glava's origins are bathed in bold experimentation. Born in Leith in 1947 and awarded a record 15 times at the International Wine and Spirit Competition, this unique liqueur is rich, it's sweet, it's warming, and it's wonderfully versatile. Fearlessly pioneering far-flung spice bursts, Glava is most definitely not your usual. Hello and welcome to Not Your Usual, a new podcast from the team at The Skinny Magazine and Gleva, where we speak to exciting people from across the Scottish cultural scene who are doing things a little differently from the usual. We're joined today by Edinburgh spoken word artist, rapper, singer and curator, among other things, B. Asha Singh, a member of cathartic hip-hop trio The Honey Farm, co-founder of the Spit It Out project and solo artist in her own right, all of which we'll cover in the podcast. Hi B, welcome to Not Your Usual. How are you going? I'm doing well, yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. We have a little drink to try today. Clink, clink. So that clink you heard was us trying the Grappler. It's a Glava Glocktail with Glava whiskey liqueur, apple juice and ginger beer. It's sweet, crisp, refreshing, ideal for the start of a chat. And I think it's quite festive. It is quite festive, yeah. It's yeah. got festive flavours. It does. I feel like a little bit of cinnamon mm. or like, I don't know, a slice of apple with some cloves mm. in it. Or you could heat it up. You could heat mull it, it, yeah. You could mull that. Yeah, mull that for mull, winter. Mull your thoughts and mull over this. Yeah, so you can be refreshed in the summer and you can mull it and be warmed in the winter. Mm. Delicious. It's actually quite good for my throat, I think. Yeah. Yeah, kind of wish it was hot. Maybe not the sugar, though. Maybe not the sugar. But it is delicious. Uh, you used to be a bartender, right? I was, yeah. Yeah. Mixologist. Mixologist. <laughs> so you know a lot about cocktails. Yeah. Maybe less so now because it's been like five, four years, five years almost. But I do still know, yeah. Yeah. I love a Buckfast daiquiri. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Buckfast. Yeah, me too. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> um, so it's the middle of August and uh, it's the Edinburgh Festival. We're halfway through. How has your festival been so far? been pretty chilled i really haven't gotten too involved to be honest my offices are in summer hall so i've been staring down at everyone engaging <laughs> being like maybe i'll go down and then haven't but i did go to like the list opening party and i went to a couple shows and it was all it was all very edinburgh festival yeah <laughs> it was lively was there anything that you really liked or really hated i went to a show called sin that's just a confessional booth in Summerhall. And uh, you sit with a stranger and there's question cards in the middle and you have to ask each other difficult questions, which is actually something I've been like planning on doing with my charity, Spit Out. I wanted to put on a like a goodbye Tinder, like a speed dating thing where you'd go and you'd have to have really difficult conversations with someone as soon as you meet them. Ah. <laughs> just to like really try and break down <laughs> barriers and like try and teach people how to put across their boundaries in the, in the best way. And it was kind of like that, but you didn't have to see the person's face. And oh. we got deep. We got deep fast. His name was Tom. Oh, good. And he was Irish. He was Irish. Yeah. 
And uh, that sounds quite stressful, but quite a nice way to meet somebody. I feel like uh, like if you were going to expand it into your idea, like uh, mm. it's like I don't know if you if you were doing like a speed dating type thing, and uh, if you meet somebody and hear about all their flaws and difficult things early, and you still feel a connection and you like them, yeah, like that's a good way to kind of know if it's gonna because a lot of times you don't find out these kinds of things until very deep. I know, and then you're really in there with each other, and you find out like they're actually a Tory. <laughs> Imagine. I, no, <laughs> I'd rather not. Imagine you really fancy someone and secretly they were a Tory for like a year. Or even just for three months of dating someone and you find out they're a Tory. Bad times. Yeah, that would be tough. I'm pretty sure that happened to a friend of mine, actually. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no. And then she was like, back away, get yeah. out. <laughs> so it's tricky. Um, did you have some gigs with the Honey Farm this month as well? Yeah, we performed at Fringe by the Sea last Friday, um, supporting Bems, which was really funny. A really fun gig. Lots of youngins there. That's good. It is good, but also the Honey Farm... Lyrically, our content is not quite child friendly. Oh, so young, young. Yeah, like from the ages of like five to to fifteen. <laughs> uh, how did you deal with that? Because I I know the lyrical content of mm. some of those songs. We didn't say ones where I like sung about the dirty, dirty stuff. Okay, and just said some dirty stuff. <laughs> and I did give everyone a pre warning beforehand and looked a mother in the eyes and said like, "It's your choice if you want your children to be here." <laughs> You can do this, like, but you also can't, don't have to, like, you can leave if you want to. <laughs> well, it's good that they had the choice. Yeah, and it was they good were. Choice. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so the shows were fun. Like, what's it like performing with Bems? Like, Great, supporting yeah. Bems. Yeah, I've met Bems and hung out multiple times now. He's very chill. He was like my mentor for a bit as well through. I got a little bit of funding from uh, We Are Here Scotland. Great. And they paired me up with Bems. Um, we just had lots of Zoom meetings and chatted nonsense. And we went to Rotterdam with each other last year for the um, New School Rules hip-hop conference there. That was nice. It was chill. He's a chill guy. He is a chill guy. He's just a happy boy. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Got a lot of time for him. He headlined our stage at... Um, Kelburn, La- no, he played at Kelburn last year. He didn't headline. Mm-hmm. He was like second from the top, I think. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, and he played our two hundredth issue party in December at Summer Hall. Yeah, um, just so much energy, like he when is. he's on stage. But I feel like you have that same energy in the Honey Farm as well. And the three of you just jump about. It's just yeah. like a joy to watch. I think the first time I came across your music, I think I knew you as a bartender. I'd seen you like in Paradise Palms before. And then I saw you at a festival in like 2018 or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just like so yeah. much joy. You're so bouncy. Yeah, I can't stop jumping when I'm Honey Farm. Like, I do not stop moving. I'm like, foot to foot, like, oh my God. It's just so exciting. I love being on the stage with my gals. Yeah, it's great. It's nice when you uh, get to do something with like your really good friends. Mm-hmm. Like, makes such a big difference, doesn't it? You have that support. Yeah. Um, and you, was the Honey Farm like your first musical project? Did yeah. you do stuff before? No, I really like didn't really know music or wasn't really into music. I, like, I was into music, like I love listening to music, but I wasn't like it wasn't like the thing I wanted to do or I didn't really think that much about music before then. Um and I actually started just like playing the ukulele when I was like seventeen or something and I wrote a song called Pussy All Day on a ukulele that was really like folky and romantic. <laughs> and my mate Gail, who's in the honey farm she I was in hospital and I was singing her this song. And she was like, we should just rap this. Why are you not rapping it? 
And I was like, I don't know, because I don't know how to rap. <laughs> and she was like, I want to rap, and I think we should just rap this. And we used to just sit in her bedroom and rap along to a metronome. All these, and we wrote loads of like really saucy, funny songs just to a metronome for like years. <laughs> Until Robin came along and gave us some good beats. Nice. That's a nice story. I like that it was just a very natural. And I like the idea of something uh, like so filthy mm-hmm. being paired with an instrument like the ukulele yeah it was so sweet it was like yeah if only i was gay yaddy pussy all day pussy all day pussy all day <laughs> but over like a little plinky plink. yeah, like, i've been nibbling on your nipples <laughs> like i made a peanut brittle you'd be giggling cause it tickles then i'll move down to the middle <laughs> <laughs> It was so sauce. So sauce. <laughs> and then you put some beats on that and then Honey Farm was born. Yeah. And uh, I feel like you've just been ripping up stages since then. Um, so like music making was never something that you wanted to do. You never really thought of. I think I didn't really know what I wanted ever. Who does? <laughs> yeah, I think I was just very much someone who like went with the flow if there was something to be done or someone was doing something. I was like, I'll do that. Yeah. Like, what, do we, what do we want to do? Were you always writing? Because you're obviously spoken word as well. Was poetry maybe like more what drew you into it? Or I read a lot when I was younger. I like grew up in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. And except from in the, in the weekends, I'd come into the city and see my dad. But on the weekdays, I was just in a little place called Wood Hall. Just all I had was books and sheep. So <laughs> I just read all the time. And I did write a lot when I was younger, but like terrible trash stuff that I've found now and I've been like oh my god who was I (laughs) who am I now (laughs) I think we've all got that history though like I you know how um, I'm not I don't really use Facebook much anymore but you get all those reminders like every like day of something you posted like 15 years ago or something Mm -hmm. and you're like who was she I know it's embarrassing but also I I love embarrassing myself it's so embarrassing Mm. I'm kind of I'm trying to phase that part of my life out yeah I I don't know who she was don't go back to Bebo (laughs) no I won't (laughs) since you started making music you then went on to uh, co-found the Spit Out project and uh, you started working on a solo project as well under your own name, Be yeah. Asha. Um, I think we should talk about Spit It Out first, if yeah. that's okay with you. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that and how it came about? Yeah, so in like 2017, I was raped by someone and I talked really openly about it as soon as it happened and I started writing about it and like started making music and writing poetry about the experience because it made me feel like it was it happened it made me feel like it was real and that I wasn't like lost in this little like trauma bubble <laughs> um and my friend Leah who I run spit out with I met her just after and she was a documentary filmmaker and she when we first met when I talked about my experiences she was just like the way you talk about it is so it makes it so accessible it makes me like understand my own experiences and like we, she then just wanted to follow me around and make a documentary, basically, and she did. And I went to India to, because that's where I would often go to like heal from things. If like had a bad breakup, I was like, "Moved to India," or like had an argument with my mum, "Moved to India," <laughs> just because it's where I'm, because I'm mixed, and I just feel a real connection when I go back there. And uh, she came with me, and she just started filming me the whole time. And then the BBC showcased the documentary. And from that, we just got so much traction from like other creatives who had experienced similar things, like similar types of either sexual trauma or just trauma in general, and that they used their creative outlet as a way to talk about all the stuff that they had experienced. 
and we made a collective of people who all just felt so comfortable sharing difficult things together because we did it in a way that wasn't like it didn't feel too heavy it just felt like it was just real it was just it was just honest and talking about all these things that happened to us or all these experiences we felt and then we were sharing them with each other and learning each other's triggers or learning each other what what are those things that like make you uncomfortable or who are you as a human what's your window to the world and how can I make my window to the world more open so I can see what you see and we decided to start a charity from that to like hopefully just start convincing people that they can be different from someone else and still understand who they are yeah that's great it's amazing that you can talk so openly about it but I think um there's a lot of healing in that Mm-hmm. So in the last two years, I've lost both of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that has been most helpful for me is just talking about it yeah. all of the time. It's just, it comes up really regularly in conversation. And it's interesting to see how um, sometimes when you're so open and honest about it, it can make other people feel a bit uncomfortable. Because yeah. they're like, how are you doing yeah. this? Um, but I think it shows a real strength in you. And it's your power to heal Mm -hmm. and you've gone down a creative path and I think that so many people can like creativity is such a good way for healing because it's Mm -hmm. like facing things like head on and turning into something beautiful it's also like you you experience something and you you put it into your art and then you share the art with people and that's there's not that I'm doing that extra thing of like explaining what I've been doing because I, that makes me just feel really comfortable because I want other people to, to know that that's what we're doing. It's not just that we're putting art out there, like we are actually experiencing and then sharing those experiences. But when I look at other creatives and they're like just showcasing who they are as humans through their different art forms, I just think it's just a really beautiful, beautiful thing that just causes so much great connection as well. I agree. I think um, knowing that other people are going through similar things and seeing the way that they're dealing with it mm-hmm. it kind of gives you hope for for, sure. for you realize that it will be all right mm-hmm. you can kind of move on from it yeah um, and you work with a lot of other people at spit it out it's quite like a collaborative like process yeah. for you collaboration is key collaboration is key to all things <laughs> i agree like you can't really you can do a lot on your own of course but as soon as you start bringing other people into that bubble mm-hmm. the possibilities are endless for sure um how do you decide who you're going to work with that spit it out? kind of just all falls together. It's like whoever, because we are a collective and people like come in and out of spit it out all the time. We put on like five workshops a month. We put on a festival. We do loads of like just community bringing together spaces. And if you're in that space and you've come to like learn woodwork and then you're just like, you know, I actually do clay making. I do like pottery and stuff. I'd love to show people how I do my pottery. I'd be like, oh, well, do you want to run a workshop? And then you can showcase what you do to other people. Then someone might come along to this event and they'll find that pottery is that thing that makes them feel connected and safe and find their community. So just about who turns up. And and reaching out to others, obviously. There's so many great people doing amazing things and I'm constantly trying to connect to anyone that's doing anything. (laughs) That's good, though. That's a really nice way to be because you just never know where it like what path it will lead you down mm. um you don't know what's going to be next and spit it out has because when did you launch that like 2019 or something? 2020 I can't remember. it was 2019 was when we put the documentary out and then we've been a registered charity for two years now so 
And I feel like it's just, it's growing quite rapidly, like with the festival and stuff that you had earlier yeah, this yeah. year. How was the festival? It was great. It was amazing. It went really well. Last year, like it was 18 venues, 50 events. And this year it was 12 venues, which was a lot more manageable. And we had a project manager this year who just rocked my world. Like <laughs> it was so easy to like pass over so much stuff I had to do the year before and she just took it away. So. It was a lot easier this year, I found. And that's good, but still incredibly ambitious. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I guess you've got plans for next year. Yeah, already putting plans in. Each year we um, fund three uh, exhibitions. So we support three new people to put on their first ever solo exhibition in Edinburgh and, and Glasgow. And then we do a full online thing. Like last year we did a, a poetry night in Zambia, which we had like hundreds of people coming online to that were across the world. And that was so beautiful. It was so nice to hear work from people around the world um, so I want to do more stuff like that that connects like the online audience that like, connects people around the world because a lot of the people that work at, that come to spit out things experience stuff like agoraphobia or anxiety that don't allow them to come into spaces that are like creative spaces as much because we're all sitting in front of each other and they might not feel comfortable to do that to do it online is is a it's a difficult thing to do but if you can make it work it's good <laughs> we learn a lot um about how to do things online during the pandemic. It was Mm -hmm. one of the kind of gifts that we got from a hard time was how to connect with people all over the world from friends, creatives, musicians, Mm -hmm. artists. Um, So it's really good to see that that is still something that continues to be happening like everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And you obviously like connect with people yourself through your solo work, um, through social media, like I follow your... Instagram <laughs> fan <laughs> um, but it's always interesting to see what you're up to and it's nice that you kind of share all the other facets of everything else you're doing I mm-hmm. feel like like you said before collaboration is key um, and you're doing quite a lot of collaborative work on your like on your solo project as well yeah um, so in 2021 you released From Girls to Men mm-hmm. uh, and you won the Best Newcomer Award I did, at, the, yeah. at the Samas Um which is the perfect award for you because it's set up to celebrate music that's not usually being celebrated in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that the Samas exist to kind of platform new kind of upcoming young artists. Um, what was it like for you to get that kind of recognition in the wider Scottish music scene? Oh, it was lovely. It was really, really, it was a treat. <laughs> I really didn't think I was going to win because I was up against artists that I really love and was just like... And have a good, like, online presence as well. Like, I'm not very good at social media, I don't think. Like, I do my best, (laughs) but I'm not someone that really engages with it as much as I could do. Like, I need to learn how to do reels better. And, like, (laughs) I have been in the last, like, month now. But So I didn't know that I was going to have that. But I've got a huge Facebook following because I think, like, my mum loves Facebook and like all of her pals love me and they're always at my gigs and I think that it was really that generation really supported that that win for me there. That's so nice. <laughs> I know. It, it felt so lovely. I I don't know if you've seen the video of me winning, but like I could not stop smiling. My face was huge. Like I, and I've replayed the video to myself loads of time just to like try and re emanate that that energy. It was just like it was so pure. I felt so purely happy. Yeah, that's really nice. I think it is important. It's like so easy to forget the highs that you Mm -hmm. have because so often it's negative experiences that 
like weigh on your mind more. You'll always think about that stupid thing that you said at yeah. the end of the night and it, you'll be thinking about it in a month's time and you're like, mm-hmm. why did I say that? But then lots of really good stuff has happened in between and this yeah. is such a key thing that's happened for you. So I love that you're going back to that video. Yeah. I did. Like, I'm embarrassed by what I said on the stage though. Like I got up there and was just like, I, did, I hadn't planned because I didn't, really didn't think I was going to win. So I got up there and was just like, thanks my mum and thanks my brother. Okay, bye. <laughs> I was like, oh, what a silly wee gal. <laughs> But that's, I think, I think that's really nice. Um, I was going to actually talk a bit about your dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so from Girl to Men, Girls to Men is quite an emotional listen, even more so, I think, when you perform it live. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have like a real softness to your delivery and there mm-hmm. is like a vulnerability that comes across, especially compared to your work in the honey farm. Um, yeah. And I was, as I was telling you uh, before we came on the air, um, I was at Arusa Qureshi's book launch where you performed and I'm pretty sure your dad was in the audience. He was, yeah. Um, and I remember you saying, because some of the lyrical content, like with Pussy All Day and The Honey Farm, it's quite like... Yeah. Like risky is the wrong word, but it's, it's like... It's difficult. It's difficult. Difficult content to and, um, <laughs> Yeah, and I remember you just being like, sorry, Dad. <laughs> like, what is it like performing these pieces when your parents are... Yeah. In the audience. It's very like, you know, my mum's Scottish. My dad's Scottish as well, but he's Indian and he's like very Punjabi culture. He's like one of 14 children. All of them are arranged marriage. Indian, Indian. <laughs> and he's the only one to not be that and have three white kids who don't adhere to our culture as much as all of my cousins do. <laughs> and uh, so it's difficult for him to have us in the family sometimes because especially me being so outspoken, <laughs> it's difficult for for me to hold my own in that, in those spaces. And so he doesn't often come to any of my stuff. And when he has, and I've asked him about how he felt about it, he was like, oh, a lot of swearing. And that's about all he says usually. Um, but Arisa's launch, like, I, I did read poetry that was written about sexual assault and about, like, or love and, and like, my love of sex <laughs> and really like, contrasting stuff like that. And... He was really, he didn't really say much about it afterwards, but he, I could feel that he was proud of me and that his energy towards me in that day. And like, and after that, anytime I share poetry, that's about like being Punjabi and growing up in Leith. And when I share that with him, he sees it and I can feel how much he loves it. So I know that he, he loves that part of me. And I, I walk into now those spaces with all my Indian family and I hold myself as myself in those spaces. I don't try and adhere to being more Indian anymore. I just am mixed and that's fine it's more than fine yeah 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 it's great I love yeah. it <laughs> you're owning it it's yeah. amazing honestly like I've just because I've been watching your kind of career kind of uh, blossom I guess over the past few years so it's quite exciting to see you kind of grow from year to year and all the different projects you're doing and it was nice to be there that night and see that connection with your dad because mm-hmm. um, when you pointed out that he was there I couldn't stop watching him. I know. <laughs> but he did look really proud and he it didn't look uncomfortable. He just was like, that's my daughter. Yeah. It was nice. It was really nice. Um, it's very different with my mum and, and my stepdad in spaces though because they're very like liberated, free-loving hippies living in the countryside. <laughs> so, and I, you know, when I first started the honey farm, I, mum, I was in hospital for a while and that's when all the music first really got started. And my mum came in and I was like, I wrote a new song, mum, can I, can I read it to you? 
she was like, oh, yeah, go on then. And I was like, damn, boy, you've got the nicest dick I've ever seen. <laughs> and I started rapping this really, really sexually explicit piece about me sucking a dick. <laughs> and my mum was like, oh, Bethany, which is my, my first name. <laughs> oh, Bethany, why'd you have to say things like that? <laughs> but I know that I can share those things with her and that, She's just happy to hear me. She just loves that I do things. Like, yeah. Good, good parents, you know. Parents yeah. are just are happy that you do stuff. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've had a really nice, supportive, um, like, team of family around yeah. you, which not everybody is sure. fortunate enough to have. Yeah. But they're obviously proud that you're kind of outspoken, you speak your mind, mm-hmm. you say whatever you want. Yeah. And it's difficult yeah. for them. It's yeah. difficult for them to like know how to manoeuvre themselves and yeah. especially like after my sexual assault and stuff and me being so open about that, that was really difficult for my family because my Indian culture would say completely no to that. And my even my white culture was very like, that's not the done thing. Like you're hurting, we need to stay quiet, we need to like soften the spaces around you and make sure that you're safe and don't let people know because anyone can choose to behave in any way towards you. And I was very adamant in the fact that I needed to be as open about it as possible and that that meant that they had to then be open about it as well and it was kind of forced upon them to to take that on because they are my family and yeah and they have to <laughs> exactly they have to they had no say in it yeah. it's your decision mm-hmm. um you made the right decision to share uh, i feel like it's um like as we were saying earlier it's like really hard sometimes to open up and it's other people's reactions to you being so open about stuff is mm-hmm. uh but that's not a you problem no it kind of i, I want to do it in a way that is like you know trauma-informed like that i can share my experiences and say like i recognize that these can be difficult for you to hear especially those that have experienced and haven't been able to share but like i really think that it will help you to do that. Like, it'll help you to hear it. It'll stop people from doing more bad things when they are surrounded by people who are open about it because the more we keep quiet about things, the more bad things continue to happen because we don't share yeah. what's happened to ourselves to, or the, those that have harmed don't share what they've experienced either. Yeah. It's really unhealthy. Yeah, it's really unhealthy. <laughs> so unhealthy. People are rotting from the inside out right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, let's all be more open. Yeah. If we learn anything from this episode of Not Your Usual, it's to... Yeah. Say more. Yeah. Spit it <laughs> Be out. Be more open. Spit it out. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so, like, your solo music, uh, did a lot of that come off the back of your sexual assault? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, the Honey Farm was, like, that was pre-anything like that. Well, not anything like that, but it was pre the, the bad one. So it was, like, I was so energetic and liberated and happy all the time and, like, I had so much energy to put out. And then after that, I was just tired and exhausted and my body was tired and my mind was tired and the the creative outlet that I had then was much more soft-spoken, spoken word. And then it's growing. It's been growing so much because now I'm obviously finding more who I am all the time. I'm finding that balance between my my ups and my downs and I'm managing to, find, to create pieces that... I think really showcase that like that are like that have light and dark in them <laughs> yeah I, I agree the your first record it was really nicely paced and it had the kind of interludes almost of these yeah. spoken word pieces I love the I want to be adored yeah um, I want to be adored yeah it's just it, I don't know it's just like such a playful um use of words throughout mm. it uh, and I always feel like there's even in that which is I don't know, like in the middle of the record, it's it's nice because there's a lightness to it and mm. 
whenever you perform it live, you always are giggling yeah. along. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. But I feel I, I feel like it's really relatable for me, especially the yeah, you know, when you're like rushing home and you're like, Oh no, I need to pee. Yeah, and really you, pee. you see the door and you're like, Oh no yeah. and then you're like ah. Yeah. <laughs> You're sitting on the couch and you have a cup of tea and you're like, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. But it's just, um, it's nice that there's like, that's the light and dark, you know, there's the serious parts and then there's this kind of like mm-hmm. calmness yeah. in it. And I feel like, um, cause I want to know more about like your new project. Uh, it's called the Gatika Project. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a few tracks from it um, that you were kind enough to send me in advance and it feels like there's a lot more energy. It's different. It feels like it's evolved yeah. from that first yeah. record. Like there's a lot more bouncy like bass lines and mm-hmm. almost like breakbeaty garagey sort of oh. stuff. Yeah, there's a garage tune, there's yeah. a house track, there's some like really saucy hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about the record and what Gatika means? Yeah, so Gatika is the Punjabi word for song which I just thought it was really funny. Like, you know, when someone calls their cat, cat <laughs> or <Yeah>. dog, dog, <laughs> I just wanted to call this song, song. <laughs> and like, obviously if you speak Punjabi, you'd be like, that just means song. <laughs> but for everyone else, it's like, Ooh, Katika, what is this? <laughs> sounds exotic. Yeah, it does sound exotic. It's like, And I love that playfulness. I have the ability to do for being mixed like I can I can delve into that easily and just say say things and people are like wow what are what is these things and for me it's just like I just said bread and they're like well roti delicious yeah and exotic yeah yeah um but the project is a is a really huge undertaking actually like I'm, I'm really thankful for the funding I got from Creative Scotland and from Edinburgh Council to do it but it's basically about connection and disconnection. So it's about the connection I feel when I'm with brown women, like if I, especially brown women who've grown up in the UK, and when I meet them, like they understand a part of me that no one else understands. So and I understand a part of them that no one else understands. So you you feel that automatic connection, or if you've met someone who you have a shared like trauma with, like if you met someone who's grieving as well, you feel that sudden connection even though you don't know that person in any way. And that feeling, I think, is really beautiful, like, that I can walk into a space and meet mixed race people. They could be any mix. And I'm like, you know what it's like to be mixed race. Aren't we friends? <laughs> We're friends just like that. <laughs> or, like, you're a woman. I'm a woman. <laughs> and I just think that everyone has that thing. Like, even it's like, you like football. I like football. <laughs> like, And that connect. that's what the, the, the main song on the track, on the album Katika, is about, is about building yourself up and like going out into the world and like that's feeling crazy sometimes because you are an individual human being whose mind's going a million miles an hour at different places and people don't know where you're at and they're looking at you and you're thinking about something really dark for a second and they're looking at you being like is it a nice sunny day (laughs) and then you're looking at them thinking about that great sex you had the other day and they're remembering someone that had passed away and like that kind of thing that that disconnection and connection that comes I think is really beautiful and sad <laughs> and so the critique is about that and it's a house track so it's really like fun to listen to and you don't, really don't know what's going on and the lyrics are like what did she say <laughs> quack quack what <laughs> oh yeah there's something about a fuzzy duck no it's like i blow your bubble bath baby <laughs> quack quack yeah <laughs> I, I, like your music is so playful yeah it's nice it's mm. it's um 
it's like cheeky and saucy and yeah. playful and difficult. Yeah, just and put everything in there. I just can. everything's in the pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then um, there's other tracks on there that are about like loss of love between like friendships, a lot of like friendship loss, and like the changing of as we get older, like all the disconnections that happen in our life and how weird those feel. <laughs> they do feel weird, don't mm. they? Like as you get older and people, everybody's lives kind of drift apart and, and change. everybody changes, but. I feel like, because I'm a little bit older than you, I I kind of thought that you'd hit a certain point where you maybe stop making new friendships and connections. Mm. But, like, one of my strongest friendships, um, we met in maybe, like, 2018 or something. Didn't really... We were, like, friends. We instantly got on. But then through the pandemic, we just, like, I don't know, got closer and closer. And mm. she's, like, the best person like she's so good and she like has helped me through so much and it's but there does come a point where you just like there there is a loss of friendship and there's Mm. people that I haven't spoken to for years who I was once really really close to um but there's always new people coming in yeah it's nice it is nice yeah Yeah. it's difficult in a place like Edinburgh as well because it is small yes it's a lot smaller than a lot of places and like you're I'm continuously confronted with people that I know don't like me and I don't and I'd have no reason I don't dislike them because I try really hard not to hold dislike for people. But, like, as I walk into those spaces, like, I just need to adapt myself for them. And so a lot of my music that's coming out right now is very much about that feeling of, like, how do you adapt yourself to be in spaces with people that hold something against you you don't feel for yourself? Like, the people that have dislike for me or reasons to dislike me, the reasons to do so, I don't believe or trust. Mm. And I think that often people are just feeling things because of their own difficulties and their own hurt and their own experiences that they've not tackled yet and they project those things onto other people and it's easy to make your closest people that person. It's yes. easy to make the person closest to you the catalyst of that. Yes. It's like you, you've caused all this issue for me rather than like I have issue. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Again, that, I mean, it's... it's uh... That's like a them problem again, yeah. isn't it? But you're turning this, it's a different form of trauma, I mm-hmm. suppose, and you're turning that into a creative outlet again. Yeah, you're kind of using it to bang make... garage chin. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> again, we're coming back to this idea of um, cl- collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, the EP is quite. Uh, you say in the press release that it's a collaborative project. Um, who was involved? Are you working with like lots of other local musicians and artists? Yeah, loads of artists, loads of musicians, loads of creatives. So um, Leah, who I run Spit Out With, is the producer of the whole thing, really. Um, and then I've made three music videos to go along with the project. It's going to be a, a five-track EP and then two singles. One of the singles got a bonus track on it because the... The single, the bonus track, is like it's very saucy. It's very fun. It's called Shy Guy. It's all about. It's like a love story between Wario and Daisy from Mario Kart. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> and it's just about them getting on and about like uh, so it's sex and how sex doesn't have to be penetrative sex. Like that doesn't mean sex. <laughs> sex is so much more than that. And so it's about that really, but done in a really fun way. And the bonus track on that is called Dinner with B, which is also about eating, <laughs> <laughs> but sex. <laughs> and then uh, 
there's another EP which is I'm re-recording Boys, which is from my last another um, single, sorry, which is re-recording of Boys that was from my last EP, and uh, making a music video to go along with it that is very dark. Like I just recorded it this weekend, filmed it, and it's a dark undertaking. But I decided to work with all men on that, which is a rogue choice for a song about <laughs> consent. <laughs> but I wanted to show that. I wanted to show to myself and show to the men that I was working with that they could engage in a conversation about sexual assault, about the blurred lines of consent and open themselves up to like taking control of a woman's space and doing it in the right way. So the director was a man and he had to often just say, OK, when I was like, no, I'm not doing that. He was like, OK, right, so we'll do this then. And he had to he had offer up suggestions because I talked to each of the men involved about it before, like all the dancers and there's a dance piece, all of them involved talking to them about consent and about what consent means and they had to do a lot of touching of my body in it. And so them learning to ask me what their intention towards me was and ask me if I was comfortable about them putting their hand on my shoulder and doing that throughout the process, doing the, the rehearsals and the recording itself. And it was really interesting... It was really interesting because a couple of the men were queer men and obviously I felt more easy to interact with them than I did with the straight men. But it was just, it was a lot of manoeuvring my body and manoeuvring men's bodies and thoughts and opinions together to create something that is about my liberation. It's good um, that you're so willing to put yourself out of your comfort zone, it feels, and you've made a whole group of men uh, get out of their own comfort zones yeah. and making them think differently mm-hmm. and I think um, that is going to be part of the change isn't it? It's the mm-hmm. only way that things are actually going to yeah. change for the better. Yeah, is you have to involve them all in the conversation. <laughs> exactly, we can't just uh, preach at them all the time yeah. like uh, maybe if they're a part of it they'll understand and mm-hmm. something as simple as like do you feel okay with me touching your shoulder mm-hmm. like that's such a small thing but mm-hmm. I absolutely hate it when somebody like in the street or somebody's trying to get past you and they hold your waist and they touch your waist oh, or they touch you like, what are you doing yeah. you don't know me don't touch me <laughs> yeah so it's good that you're kind of opening up that kind of yeah. conversation they um, were so beautiful at the end of it as well they like thanked me for bringing them in and they all like like asha we just wanted to say like this has been so interesting for us and we've really learned a lot like about misogyny and about the patriarchy and about our position as men and like how we can interact better with women and with others and like and just how to have these conversations and we just wanted to say thank you for like involving us it was so cute they were such lovely boys <laughs> i really nice. enjoyed working with them do you think you'd work with them again on other projects? Yeah, I'd write, I would, yeah. yeah. We'll create I, more things. Yeah, I guess that you there's so many things that you're involved in. There will be lots of opportunities for mm-hmm. you to bring all of the people that you've worked with on the EP. You'll probably, if you've enjoyed working with them, you'll probably get them back for something yeah. else. I feel like you're quite a loyal person. I, I am very loyal, yeah. yeah. I'm very loyal, but also just like always up for whatever, you know. I'm sure. up for... I'm up for collaborating with everyone and I want like I want to p- pass on the information it's like I'm okay if people say no to me if people don't want me to be used in a space or like I'm okay to feel jealousy and I'll hold that for myself because that's not their responsibility to give me to make that jealousy go away and I'd hope that others would be okay with like if I worked on you one project but then I'm like but then I met this amazing woman that's doing this thing and I want to work with her now that you'd be like okay cool good luck I think it'll go really well yeah I think you're you're not pinning yourself to one thing, which mm. is great. So it's probably quite easy for you to 
flit about and work with lots of different people mm. and you're working with a band now as well yeah like uh, a big gay girl band lovely <laughs> i love them and they performed with you at kelburn yeah uh, with you had they had umbrella hats on you did. yeah i got everyone umbrella hats yeah. just as a thing and we were banties i think we were going to call ourselves beat asha and the banties and that we anyone that comes to like a Biasha gig should be wearing a band tee like any of your favorite bands or any band just wear their t-shirt and then buy my band tees <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah it's fun because me and the drummer is sri lankan well she heritage and uh we both say banti like as you would if you had a punjabi or indian accent you're like ah oh, banti i put on the banti <laughs> and the other two are white and they're trying really hard not to do the accent oh, no. <laughs> they're going the band tees they were the band tees they, they're like over enunciating yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Like you can say bandy. <laughs> like no, no, we'll just say band T. No, we are the band T's. <laughs> um, how did the collaboration with them come about? Like, how did you find them as your band? Did you just know them? Or I just I put a post on Instagram and said I want a band. Does anyone want to be my band? And I, I got a reply from Ringu, who is an individually incredible artist that I know, um, and she was just like, I'll be your bassist. I was like, oh, sweet, that's amazing. Yeah, you can be my bassist. And then I went round to her house and I was like, you got a bass then? And she was just like, oh, no, I've never played bass before. And I was like, oh, but you want to be the bassist. Are you sure you can play the keyboard? You can play, you're a great singer and you can play the guitar, but you want to be the bassist? And she was like, yeah, I want to be the bassist. <laughs> I was like, all right then. Do you know that Bob from Franz Ferdinand didn't know how to play the bass? That is what Elsp said as well, who's a guitarist. She was like... He did it, you can do it too. Yeah. <laughs> and she's amazing at it. She smashed it. Like, we've only done two gigs and she just walked into the room. She was like, write this. And Elsp, the guitarist, um, she's part of Girl Crush, the collective who put on big gay nights. Um, and she is just a musical genius. Like, she doesn't think she is. She's really... Classic. Conceited. Like, not, not conceited, what's the word? Humble. Um, humble. She's yeah. very, very humble. And she's amazing like she'll just be able to pick something up really well she can she can hear the things that need to change that I can't hear and I'm very blessed to have her in it and then there's Apsy the drummer and she's she just saw us through Saffron Cherry, which is... is that Apsy from uh, Binju? From Brenda. It? From Oh, Brenda, yeah, that's it, not Binju, it's Brenda. Yeah. I love Brenda. I know, they're so cool. They just oh had their, their launch last week, eh? They're so good. They played, um, I was just at a festival last weekend on the Isle of Egg. It was Lost Maps, yeah, Highland Fling. And uh, they were playing. Yeah. And I had a chat with Apsy and Fleur. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were so much fun yeah. on stage. Yeah. She's an incredible drummer. I know, and she's just so fun to... Everyone sings as well, so we've all got our own mics, and, like, I don't like her being in behind me. I like us all to be more linear or, like, standing a bit closer together because we did a gig at Summer Hall, and, like, I do a lot of random banter on the stage, and I talk a lot of nonsense, and I mumble and jumble my words so often, and Apsy was always picking up everything I was saying and, like, throwing it right back to me. <laughs> It's like it's good to have people to like banter with on the stage. <laughs> She's great. She came up to my partner because um, the two of them were wearing Fanta. Oh, tops. she loves that Fanta top. <laughs> yeah, she had the it was like fishnet and yeah. a neon orange. My partner was wearing like a Fanta, like just bright orange jumper. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Hi, <laughs> Fanta gang, <laughs> nice jumper." <laughs> it was really cute. Um, but yeah, they're great. That's great. I didn't realise that it was Apsy that was playing with you. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Great band. It was so fun having you at Kelber and opening up. And I know you had a traumatic time before you even left the city. (laughs) It was a wild car crash on the way there. 
And throughout Kelburn, like people I didn't know would come up to me and were like, you're the people that were in the car crash. And I was like, yeah, how do you know? <laughs> but I did say it on the stage, so that's maybe why they knew. Yeah, you did. I forgot, though, until you mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what a way to, and you arrived like 15 minutes before you were due on. Yeah, just ran right into there and just what like got on the stage, put on my umbrella hat and was like, here we go. <laughs> the mark of a true professional, yeah. I would say. Um, so I want to know a little bit just before we like wrap up because we have gone a little bit over. That's okay. Um, I want to know a little bit about the videos that you're making. I've seen a little clip of Shy Guy. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of green screen work, and you look like you're dressed up to work in a diner. <laughs> What's going on with that? So the Shy Guy one is Mario and Daisy's um, love story, <laughs> and uh, I got like a PVC little like Daisy outfit made with a little skirt. Um, and it's a lot of green screen because there's scenes in it that are like sh- super Smash Bros based, so fighting scenes between me and it's actually my partner performing in it with me. Nice. <laughs> fighting scenes between me and them, and then uh, there's like go karting scenes where I'm like throwing big bananas behind me and their cart like slips off, and there's scenes where he like shoots me at a cannon and I'm like flying through the air. <laughs> Is it, is it going to be really funny? I've seen the the first version of it got sent to me a couple of days ago, and it's very funny. <laughs> it makes more sense now knowing that there's a kind of Mario Brothers theme because it's so colourful. It's yeah. like a cartoon, the little clip that you posted. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be. It's very colourful. Like, yeah, yeah. My friend Ben is a designer. Well, he's a he's an artist, and he hasn't done any artwork for so long, and I've just been pushing him and pushing him and being like. I've just got this funding, so you have to draw art now. <laughs> so he's done all the backgrounds for it and all the stuff. And then my brother is a set designer and runs a set design company in Edinburgh. And he built like all this really fun, interactive set for it for all the music videos. He's done all the set design for that. Great, that's cool. And you're going to be doing a lot of other stuff alongside the release as well. You said there's going to be lots of merch, band tees, I'm guessing. Of course, of yeah, course. Band uh, a lyric book. Yeah, lyric book. And then you hinted at a video game. Yeah, there's also a video game. I've made a video game. What's the, what's the video game? Is it Biasha and the Banties? <laughs> it's just Biasha. It's like a... You can play it on your phone or you can play it on laptop. Two player on laptop. And it's just like a like a racing game where you have to try and eat cookies. <laughs> Every time you get a cookie, it's me going, eat it! <laughs> and like, um! <laughs> and it gets faster and faster through the thing and plays the Shy Guy song in the background. So it's a, it's a three-minute game where you, you just get as many cookies as you can. And when I release the video game and the song, I'll do a competition where people can try and like get the highest score and I'll give out a free banty. <laughs> nice. And maybe a pack of cookies. Yeah, of course, cookies. Yeah. yeah. With my face in them going, eat it! <laughs> I love that, the little rice paper sticker on the top yeah. or something. Yeah. I quite, are the t-shirts going to be your face saying eat it? Mm, there is one t-shirt with my face on it, but no. Good. <laughs> I did do a photo shoot last week for the Shy Guy that was me sitting in a cake, <laughs> which was so fun. It's such a minging. Like an actual cake? Yeah, I made, I got a cake made and I like did a photo shoot of me eating the cake and like it's really like messy silly cute <laughs> and then full, and like me with a big knife and like cutting the cake and it was very like I just killed my husband and now I'm eating cake <laughs> and then I sat in the cake because I watched like a documentary a while ago about like a porn thing where people really loved watching like women sit on cakes and I was like I'd sit on a cake I'd get paid to sit on a cake like that's great 
What was it like? It was horrific. It felt really gross. Like I, I said it and then I did it and it was different. Oh no. <laughs> it was really like, you know, crevices and oh, that. No. What kind of cake was it? It was just a to paint the full picture. Really creamy, like three three cake high. Like lots of very colourful purple, pink, blue, green daisies on it. Icing to buttercream cake <laughs> on my cake. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> cake on your cake are you going to have cake at any of your you've got gigs coming up later in the year right yeah but I'm going to do a launch great and I will have cakes there and all the set design will be there my, all the things that we built for the things and we'll showcase all the videos the lyric books will be available the game will be available to play and I'll just do a big like day of it all well, sounds great. It sounds Eve. like it's really all coming together and are you going to tour later in the year as well yeah and then in November I'm going to do a tour around London, Bristol, Leeds and Dublin just because I've got mates in those places. <laughs> nice. That's where it starts. You've got to go where the people that you know are and yeah. then it'll grow from there. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited yeah. for the Dublin one. That's going to be great fun. And where can people keep track of what you're up to and find out more about your music? Just follow my Instagram, beashabish um, or <laughs> that's my Instagram, <laughs> b.asha.bish <laughs> um, or on my website, I always like update my website, which is just biasha.com. Um, and I'll start a newsletter soon so I can send out emails because not everyone uses Instagram. And is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off for another episode of Not Your Usual? Eat it. <laughs> Thanks again to B. Asha for joining us today for another episode of Not Your Usual, brought to you by Gleva and the Skitty. Good luck with your forthcoming release. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Not Your Usual with the fantastic B. Asha Singh, presented by Tala Brash and produced by Peter Simpson for The Skinny Magazine. If you like the podcast, give us a follow or share the episode on social media, hashtag NotYourUsual. We'll be back with another new episode in a month's time. For more from Glava, the one and only tangerine honey spiced whiskey liqueur and to get the recipe for the grappler and all of their other Glava glocktails visit glava.com 